the the main thing I wanted to stress, especially with new members and, and the members of the group, is is the habit. The habit of consistently putting your money into something that will grow over time. Just put it into a savings account. You're not getting you're not even getting one percent back of your money. You know, with this, you're getting you can average out what is it, seven, eight percent with you know, with the stock market if you just did follow the S P five hundred. So it's the habit of consistently every month putting money away and, and pretty much just paying yourself first. This episode of the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast was brought to you by Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socioeconomic solutions that black Americans can implement in their communities today. Whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth, Black America Inc. is what black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years, we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years, we have been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. My name is Andre C. Hatchett, a.k.a. Mr. Own or Be Own, and I'm encouraging everybody listening to this podcast to pick up my new book, Own or Be Own, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America on Amazon.com. If you're a black man, if you need guidance, inspiration, a path, a path to follow to build wealth in this country, pick it up. Own or Be Own, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America. Welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast with your host, Charles Oglesby III, a.k.a. Todd Millionaire. Uh, my name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club. We have over 210 members, adding more by the day, always getting hit up. Um, so much movement and activity going on over there. And it's really just opened the door to so many more opportunities. I tell people that all the time. Like, it's just like the ET principle. You give your gift away. And stuff just start, starts hitting at different angles. So super thankful, not only for the investment club, but thankful for the people that support it. Thank you for the, the members. Thank you for people who refer people to the club. Doing some great, great things just by giving it away and having things come back to us. Also, the founder of Tide Acquisitions. We have so much stuff going on with Tide Acquisitions, too. Um, man, it's just it's crazy. Like they say, like growth comes exponentially. So we started buying property one, property two, property three. Now we're looking at like closing two doors this month. It's just ridiculous. So again, thank you to the people who are a part of that. Thank you for, to the people who are looking to join that. Um, just continue to scale that. I actually got off the phone with the lender today to buy that uh, franchise. So he was like, hey, you guys are qualified. You have everything you need. So next level stuff. We, like I said, we purchased property one. It's cash flow on the rent hit yesterday. I'm very happy about that. Property two should be done rehabbed on Monday, which means we should be getting checks for that starting in May. Property three is still waiting to close from the auction company. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this show and this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American investors and business owners so that people can hear the stories of successful examples, learn that in business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. And I think we've done that. We are 61 episodes in and I'm getting tons of people who maybe they didn't know, maybe they knew, but they had never seen it. But so many people are asking us about the cash flow game. They're talking about books. They're investing in the club. And these are people that I grew up with, people that like I didn't even know that they were invest, interested, in, interested in these things. So um, today we have a special guest. He goes by Oge Maydu. He is a first-generation Nigerian-American. He is an electrical engineering undergraduate degree, along with an MBA from Pepperdine University, Graziato School of Business. <laughs> which they recently changed the name. I'm surprised you caught that because it's it used to be business management. Right now it's School of Business. So yeah. that's cool. Um, he started the Black Seed Group to get millennials to start investing in stocks and real estate, whether by themselves or as a group. I'm a super proponent of the group aspect. He has also written a book that I recently bought called 10 Reasons Why You Are Living Senseless, which points out the many avenues most people are spending money and how the reader can spend wisely. You can find that book, I think on your website. Is it on Amazon as well or just on your website? Uh, Amazon and uh, my website. Uh, the website, you can get the, the PDF version of it. 
Very cool. So um, with that, welcome to the show, man. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm glad to glad to be a part of this podcast. It's my first time doing anything like this, so I'm very, very excited. The best place to start is at Thai Capital, but <laughs> I always tell people, like, it's such a quid pro quo, like, we benefit because we get to learn from you. You benefit because you get the exposure. So um, I know you're going to get some people that are going to want to learn more about what you're doing. So with that, to start the show, can you kind of tell us a little bit about um, who you are and how you came to be what you are now? Yeah. So um, like you mentioned before, my name is Oge Madu, um, Nigerian, first generation Nigerian American. My parents immigrated here from Nigeria back in 1981. Uh, pretty much born and raised in Houston, Texas. Uh, I love it out here. Uh, I ended up going to San Antonio for, for college, University of Texas at San Antonio. And from there, I graduated with an electrical engineering degree. And uh, after that, I went out into the workforce. I, went, I lived out in, in West Texas uh, for a little bit. And usually when you hear West Texas, you think oil. But actually, it was the opposite. I was working at a, at a gypsum plant. Uh, I was a project engineer at a gypsum plant where they make sheetrock and wallboard. And um, from there, small, small little town of 10,000 people uh, made it work. I was, I was there for about a year and a half. And then about almost three years ago now, uh, I made the transition back to Houston. Now I do work at an oil refinery. Uh, out here in Texas City, which is a little bit outside of uh, outside of Houston, but it allows me to be a lot closer to, to friends and family. I'm usually in Houston on the weekends, so glad to be back in, in, in the area. So you became an engineer. Most people, when they go to college, they choose an easy major. They choose what's attainable. I mean, granted, all things are possible, but what made you go the engineering route and what pushed you to uh, kind of just succeed despite the difficulties of the math and all that stuff? Uh, with math, I, I wouldn't say it came easy, but my dad was a math teacher, a uh, middle school math teacher. So growing up, math was, in general, just with with being a Nigerian parent, everything schooling-wise was, was a big proponent in the household. So uh, as far as engineering goes, Originally, I think I was going to start off with computer engineering. I always like to do something with computers, whether it's taking it apart, putting it together, you know, the typical story. Uh, got into college, I decided to do electrical engineering. That was, at the time, the closest major to computer engineering that I could do. I never had, uh, I mean, for me, I will say that uh, passion-wise, engineering isn't it. I did it as a, almost like a, a business decision. I knew that once I graduate, I will have the money to slowly fund the things I'm a little bit more passionate about. Yeah. So, um, so far it's, it's worked in that way. Uh, engineering school is definitely stressful. There was times I thought I, I would not complete it, but um, five years later, uh, about two or three internships later, finally got, finally got done. Um, actually, was blessed enough not to graduate with uh, any debt uh, through scholarships and grants. Um, Tyrone didn't get me, so uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, yeah, so I was able to complete that and, and get a job immediately after out in West Texas. That's cool, that's cool. So we never, we, we probably have had a few engineers on here, but we never talked about the day in the life of an engineer. And I'm kind of interested because you're in it, um, Akai was in the show. He is an engineer, but he's he's kind of past that. He's like he went to law school, so he's kind of doing other stuff. Yeah. So what what is life like as an engineer? So as an engineer, it's pretty much. So I work at an oil refinery, so pretty much, you know, sometimes most people when they, whenever they hear oil, they think about you know the drilling and the, and the upstream side. Well, I'm on the downstream side where we produce it and turn that oil into things like gasoline, jet fuel asphalt things like that so um you know i work i work at the refinery i work on different projects that help keep the units at the refinery uh running efficiently so it's a bit i work at the galveston bay refinery and it's fairly fairly old i mean it was created or built back in world war ii i want to say and a uh, very good location as far as the ship channel so it allows us to be very creative as far as being able to ship out uh, the products to, to 
people all over the United States and even uh, internationally if, if, if needed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as far as a day in the life as an engineer, you're pretty much consulting with other engineers. So I'm an electrical engineer. We have, you know, mechanical engineers there. We have chemical engineers that deal with, you know, some of the processes, you know, the chemical balances of, of and pH levels of different things going on. And we all kind of interact and make sure that we can continue to make the refinery run smooth cool. and, and give guys the gasoline to drive. Yeah. <laughs> I think the coolest thing that you said, and it's, it's a principle that I've harped on for like the longest time is sometimes you got to do what you, what you have to do or what's going to position you to act on your passion as opposed to the people that flip it. And they're like, Oh, you got to do what you love. If you don't, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, sometimes work is a good thing. So it's like, sometimes you got to work and hustle and get what you need so you can fund your passion. And more importantly, so you can fund passion for your kids. Absolutely. It's like, we're out here, we're out here trying to YOLO. And I mean, what about your kids' lives? Like if you exactly. only live once, what about your kids' lives? Exactly. So I, what was really dope is that you said that, um, something I, I believe in. What is your passion? I think we kind of know. That's why you're on the show, hopefully. Or maybe that's just another like step to the passion. I mean, what's, yeah. what's your actual passion? So, I mean, and when do we, when do we I, get to the passion part, man? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's, it's, still, it's still to be determined. In general, I do know it's about helping people, helping people reach their, their full potential, uh, especially financially, but just in general, just helping them get to a point where they're, they are realizing their full potential. And, and how I'm doing it currently is obviously through uh, the investment club. Until I fully, truly, you know, find out what it is, this, this is what I, I like to do. And it's uh, been very fruitful so far. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, your investment club and let's talk about that cool website that you got set up. So tell us about your website and then walk us to, um, to all the things you have going on. Okay. Yeah. So for the website, so me personally, I like to get my hands dirty as far as I'm always researching stuff, learning how to do it myself. And then, you know, down the road, if I had to pay someone, at least I know what to look for, what to ask and things like that. So for me, um, just with the people around, not that many people know how to do certain things that I, I look for, or at least I'm not trying to pay that amount of money originally. So I just pretty much found this website called uh, Strikingly and pretty much they, they host the website and then they have a few templates and obviously you just kind of shape shift it how you would like it. But uh, just doing a lot of research, I've actually built multiple websites. This is probably my fourth one. Like I started off with like a personal website um, by my own name as a domain name and then just kind of built from there. So this one actually looks pretty good just from the years of experience dealing with the, uh, the other websites. One thing I like about your site is like everything is there. So you have like all the different things you have going on, but then you also have your store on your site. And then you also have um, like jobs on your site. That's like super cool. I like that it's like, I like that aspect, but also like when you go there, like there's a moving background, like there's people yeah. walking. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I need to figure out a way to, yeah, I got to incorporate some cool stuff like that into my site. Um, so what interested you or what brought you to the idea of real estate investing? So with real estate investing, I kind of fell into it whenever I lived out in West Texas. I mean, originally I already knew, uh, just my mindset in general, I like ownership. Um, people might find that arrogant or whatnot, but I really don't care. Definitely a big key to being successful, especially in America. So whenever I lived out in West Texas, about a year in, I bought uh, a house out there. And pretty much, uh, I can walk you through what, what I did. Let's do it. I uh, looked on Craigslist <laughs> at the time. Um, and I found a house that was probably five minutes from my job. Uh, the owner recently uh, remodeled the place up a bit, so it looked pretty nice. Uh, I contacted them, uh, was able to negotiate the price down a little bit. And then from there, I tried to find a mortgage lender. Uh, for me, I ended up going with Bank of America uh, simply because I had a, a pretty long-term relationship with them. Most of my uh, accounts are with uh, Bank of America. And uh, my first credit card was with Bank of America as well. So uh, I had pretty good credit. Um, as far as my 
loan. I mean, I was, I got a mortgage or the interest rate on the loan is 3.875. I wish I could get something like that again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I used the, the FHA loan. Um, from there, the bank actually helped me out. So whenever I negotiated the price, the bank did their own appraisal report and that number actually came in lower than what I negotiated. So I, I went back to the seller and I pretty much told him, I was like, Hey, I'm not going to pay the difference between what we negotiated and what the bank's going to lend me. So pretty much we settled at the price that the bank appraised it for. And <clears throat> I mean, it worked out for me as well. Total payment, monthly payments ended up being less than what I was paying uh, for an apartment out there. So I have equity in, in a house. I, I'm getting tax benefits with, with owning a house and I'm paying less than I was when I was renting. Um, the, the house was recently remodeled, so there wasn't that many maintenance issues to deal with. And um, while I know that other people don't have, have horror stories, uh, luckily, so far, me and owning property have been a, a pretty good mix. How much did you, did you pay for the property? And, yeah. and how much were rents around that time? And also, when did you buy that? If you bought it a while back, what are rents now? compared to what your mortgage would be if you still lived in that place, unless I'm not sure if you still own it, still live there, but kind of talk to me about that, the numbers. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, out of West Texas, things were uh, a bit cheap. And so I want to say I bought the house for 58.5. Wow. Yeah. And then, so my mortgage payment was probably around like 500 bucks. And I think I was renting seven, seven or 800 month but the, the place that you bought how many rooms was that it was a two bed one bath house okay and so if you were renting that's an equal equal two bedroom would be about 700 bucks 800 bucks yeah yeah cool and so when did this happen again this happened back in 2014 i was 23 years old at the time. so that was four years ago four years ago yep how much would a similar apartment rent for about around now I think it would probably be about the same, if, if anything, a little bit higher. Um, mm -hmm. Out there, it's a little bit slower. The, the industry is pretty much set with gypsum, uh, wind farming. It, it wouldn't have appreciated that much. Got it, got it. Okay. But still, I mean, it's better to like be building equity first and foremost, but also um, you're saving money each month just by renting. And not only that, I'm not sure if you did this, but some people would even house hack that. And so they'd house hack it they'd have a, a tenant paying them or a roommate, quote roommate, paying that 400, 500 bucks and they'd be living for free. So if anybody's listening and they're like, well, how can I invest in money or how can I position myself to even build wealth? It's like, that's how you do it. Like you get that house hack, you get that two bedroom, three bedroom house, or you get that duplex, that triplex, that fourplex rented out, they're paying your mortgage and then 100% of your income goes to you. That means you can, you're basically retired at that point in time. If you can eliminate your housing expense, your car expense, you don't have to work. You're retired. You get to follow your passion. You know, I was brand new to this. I mean, whenever I bought the house, I didn't even tell my parents. I, I straight up just bought the house. When I closed, I told them because uh, I knew that if I told them sooner, they were going to have all the negative stuff to say, oh, you better buy it. You know, I ended up just, you know, go ahead, did the deal. And I want to say not even six months. I want to say six months later, ended up getting the job in Houston. And so before I left, my supervisor at the time, his wife was a real estate agent. I asked that she knew anybody that did property management. Uh, she did. Uh, I found her, met with her, and pretty much paid her, you know, 10% of rent. And what was cool was that I was getting 800 uh, a month for that. And so, nice. you know, after I pay everything, it was like 720 you know, and then I, I paid my, my mortgage down uh, from that. I don't, I don't use the, you know, it's about probably like 200 bucks a month that I, I get, but that I just kind of hold off to the side as far as maintenance and stuff go. But mm -hmm. I've been lucky so far. Every tenant I have has been good. They paid on time. And I know that's not the case with a lot of people, but uh, knock on wood, uh, could, hopefully it can continue that way. And even in the possibility where I want to sell and probably 1031 it until something else, that's definitely another possibility. But what I wanted to point out was, you know, I, ha I did all this stuff, but as far as the cash flow, or not even the cash flow stuff goes, 
I kind of fell into that as well. Like it just happened to work out. Like I could, it could have been to a point where, you know, maybe it only rented out for 600 bucks a month. And then I'm looking at, I'm negative cash flow. So it actually worked out. You know, I think that um, a lot of people, they, their reason for renting is because of a situation like yours where you buy something, you have to move. And so they say, well, what if you have to move? That's a Grant Cardone always says. You don't want to be stuck in one location. Well, there's always a way. There's always a workaround. There's always a solution to whatever your problem is. I never understood that. Yeah. A lot of people make an argument that, oh, you're tied down for 30. No, you're not. You're not tied down for If you made the right purchase, if you do the numbers right, you're not tied down to anything because once you leave, you can rent it out for, you know, a profitable cash flow and then someone else has rented it out for 30 or however long it is. Not tied down to anything. Exactly. And a lot of these big Grant Cardone understands that though. It's just yeah. that the people that are listening to him don't. I watch Grant Cardone because he spits a lot of gems. But I'm thankful because it's like you can, if you're educated, you can see through certain things. And there's certain people who they have to take what Grant Cardone says because that's the only education they're getting. <laughs> so exactly. it's like if you can weigh two ideas, then it's like, okay, I'll, I'll kind of sift through the Grant Cardone stuff. I'll keep what I want to keep and I'll take and leave what I want to leave. Um, so, I mean, that, that's really cool. I think it's great that you own the property. And um, what's it like working with a property manager? When when do you even interact with the property? Is it just like super passive? How does that work? Me, extremely passive. I mean, all I do is once a month, I get my check. <laughs> I mean, but the times that I contacted her, I mean, there was one time where there was hell damage. A hell came through and the roof was damaged. And I was able to... Well, I had insurance, obviously. Um, and, and the insurance company ended up cutting a check. And so I kind of bid around and see who, who could do the work. And it ended up being less than what uh, the, the insurance company cut me a check for. So I didn't even have to come out of pocket for that. And I got a brand new roof. So whenever it does come time, That's it's, nice. there's a brand new roof there. Yep. Um, as far as maintenance issues, there's very, been very, very minimal. If anything, they, they usually take it out of... Uh, the rent whenever she pays me. Yeah. And it feels cool. It's like, I'm kind of in this aspect, I feel like I'm helping someone else out in two folds where I'm helping someone with a place to live and I'm helping another person provide for their family with, with a job. Obviously I'm not the only property that, that she manages, but yeah. it's part of, you know, yeah. part of that as well. This is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the host of the Todd Capital Millionaire podcast. And for those who have followed me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Snapchat, or listen to me on this show, you have heard me talk about the potential wealth that's waiting for you in your spare time. I want to invite you, all the listeners, to receive a free 30-minute consultation to discuss strategies to help organize your hustle, your gig, or whatever it is that you're doing outside of your 9-to-5 into a legitimate business that you can use to create wealth that exceeds your generation and especially take advantage of the tax breaks, tax credits, and business credit that's available to you. Email us at info at capitaltod.com, charles at capitaltod.com, or you can go to toddcapital.youcanbook.me to book your time today. Thank you. I think that that's, man, you said a lot in there, but I was having that conversation with my mom this morning, and I was talking about how like ownership helps you, ownership allows you to help other people. If you don't own anything, you got to just try to get things from people who do own things. Either they own a business, they own real estate, they own property. But if you position yourself as an owner, then you can be of service to other people. And a lot of people, if you're looking to just take care of yourself, then unfortunately you become selfish. And that's just kind of something I was talking to my mom about. We were talking about um, starting a limo company. And if we start a limo company or like a black car company, then we can start providing opportunities for some of our cousins who might not be working or some people who are related to us who might not be working. And then I told her, I was like, that is the goal. If you go out there, you get a job. The only person that benefits from that job is you. If you go out there, you create a business, you can save the community. That's I'm super passionate about that because I guess that's what my passion is. It just so happens to coincide with wealth it is my passion is wealth, but my passion is helping other people. And you just so happen to achieve wealth and you help a bunch of people. The next thing that you said was that if something bad happens to your property, you have insurance for that. And that was one of the points that we made, I think, on Aisha Selden's show. Either she made it or we had dinner. She came out to L.A. And I wish I got a picture with I got a picture with uh, 
John Daly. I didn't get a picture with uh, Aisha Selden. But anyway, she was out here and she was saying, like, people are so scared of this stuff. She's like, anything that happens with the property, like, you just throw money at it. It's like, oh, it's an insurance problem. If, if, the, if something goes bad, we call it insurance. If we need to call the plumber, we call the plumber. And so it's like anything that you can pretty much use as a reason to not own, there's insurance for. Um, and so that's what your, your comment kind of reminded me of. Yeah, and, and actually, I, I, I was listening to this audiobook the other day, and I apologize. I, I can't remember her name, but it was a part of the Rich Dad uh, series. What the lady was saying is that a lot of these properties she never looks at because it's all a number game for her. Um, what she does is, you know, once she buys a property, all you need is, you know, landlord. You get the property insurance, like landlord insurance. Say if the renter does mess up the house, well, landlord insurance will cover rent for, you know, that amount of a specific amount of time while you're, you know, getting the things fixed up to rent out again. So as long as you have the proper, you know, things in place, you can mitigate a lot of these risks. Yeah, it, it definitely is a numbers game. And I think that that's one of the things that I'm still getting used to. Like when you start rehabbing properties, you can get so caught up in seeing what it looks like before you rehab it. But like it is, it's just a numbers game. It's like, is it going to cost 20000 or 30000 Because it doesn't matter what it looks like. That's going to scare off the other people. It doesn't matter what it smells like. That's going to scare off the other people. It doesn't matter who lived there before. And so it's like, if you can start to see if the numbers make sense, it doesn't matter how burdensome the rehab is going to be because you're not going to do it anyway. You're going to hire somebody to do it for you. So it's like, if the numbers make sense, the deal makes sense, we can make money doing it. What have you owned outside of that first property? I would say stocks. So I, I like the very first thing I want to say investing wise was in the stock market and that was back in uh, 2010. So I was one of those guy, uh, people that never really seen a recession yet. You know, I think it was like 20, 2009, 20, 2010 has been pretty much uphill since then. Yeah. I have a different philosophy than a lot of people. I don't sell most of the stuff I buy. Like I, I invest a lot of money in, in the market, but I don't sell much. And the reason for that is because I make a, a, a good amount of money to where I don't have to rely on the money that I put in the stock market. And I want that to continue to, uh, was that the rule of 72 to, to the point where, you know, my kids are millionaires before they're even adults. I don't want to touch that money. I want that to continue to roll almost like a trust fund deal where you are a millionaire and you don't have to worry about anything ever again in your life. And that philosophy I kind of uh, built around this book called Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth by Nick Murray. Yeah, that, that was a pretty good book that kind of shaped my philosophy around the stock market. So um, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I do with that. So what kind of stocks are you buying? Personally or with the group? <laughs> um, let's talk about both. Let's talk about your personal investments, the ones that you're buying and not selling and leaving there. And then we could talk about the group. Okay, well, I can say, so I start, whenever I first started with the stock market, I want to say 2010, I just started an internship with Toyota, the manufacturing plant in San Antonio. Uh, I opened an IRA account with Vanguard. I, you know, saved up to $3,000 to do, to open that. And then I think I bought the Wellington mutual fund. And this is before I even knew what, you know, about the spend fees and things like that with mutual fund. But it actually ended up working out all right because it was a Vanguard fund and they're, expense fees are pretty pretty low but uh after that i pretty much whatever i bought whether that was uh like facebook and there there was a lot of stuff yahoo before they got acquired uh, but just a bunch of stuff i bought by itself and then obviously you know at the time you don't have that much money so you're buying one share three shares five shares at a time and it, you know just slowly started building up but the main thing was i i, I put a lot of money into that mutual fund and just kind of let the let that dollar cost average itself out into into uh, a lot more money, and from there, once I understood how accounts work down the road, uh, I kind of stopped with the IRA and then started doing a, a, a personal brokerage account. That way, if I did need need to sell, uh, I had that availability to to pull that money out. Um, so right now, there's a lot of technology stocks. And then I do invest in the Vanguard Growth Fund, the VOOG. Um, I invest in that personally and and with the group. And, and with index funds, I'm a proponent of just dollar cost average into it. It's it's one of those things where even if it goes down, it's going to end up going up again. So you might as well dollar cost average, especially when it goes down, because when it goes up, you're going to look really, really 
really smart. Yep. yep. Um, so, so for people who don't know what dollar cost averaging, basically that's systematically buying something over time. So let's say, for example, you just invest 500 bucks per month on the same day of the month, no matter where the stock is, you tend to average out your basis because you have some low, some high, some medium. So just for people listening who are like, what the heck is that? <laughs> um, and so my question, my next question is, what was your best investment? Stock-wise, I would say Google. I bought Google when it was around, I want to say, either four or 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Now pretty much doubled from there. Nice. So, you know, percentage-wise, that, that, was, that was pretty good. What made you pick Google there? Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where if I use it, I, I try to buy. Yeah, and that's that's I, good I, advice, I, man. Yeah, and, and and with Google, that was like my professor. I'm like I'm pretty much self-educated, so yeah, you know, that's Professor Google right there. I'll, I'll buy yeah. into that. That's great advice, man. That's one of the things I think we talked about on the episode with Josh and Corporate Coke and Smack. Is like one of the first ways you can analyze. A company is like, do you like their product? If you like their product, then it's likely that it's producing a good product. It's likely that it's having good sales. And so then you start investigating and looking at the numbers and that and that opportunity. So dope idea, man. Very cool. What were you going to say about the house, though? Yeah. So the house I'm in right now, I bought for uh, 180 and I'm in the suburbs of Houston. And just in the last year, I guess it's been two years now. It's gone up twenty thousand in mm-hmm. equity, so I could sell it for over two hundred. Like at the very minimum, I could sell for two hundred thousand. Nice. And so that was pretty cool to see that just a random investment could create. I, I literally created money out of thin air with yep. that. And that's another benefit to ownership is the equity. I always tell people that when you buy something as opposed to renting something you create that silent partner that starts running alongside you called equity. And so then it's like, what do you want to use that equity for? Do you want to use that equity to not in your case, pay off student loans because you have none, but if somebody does have student loans, they can use it to pay off student loans. They can use it to invest in a business. They can use it to invest in real estate. As long as you're not using that to buy a watch or a car, something that depreciates in value, that's free game for the listeners. Tell us about the group. What have you guys um, how many members? What have you guys been buying? What's the outlook with the group? Yeah, so uh, with the Black Sea group, we are at 35 members. Nice. We started in August of last year. Um, I'm at the point where, so I, I think originally when I started, I, I got about 24 people that I truly knew uh, that joined the group. And then from there, we've been able to get people, you know, just from word of mouth, being able to to join us. And and the cool thing is, and I think you probably mentioned it as well, is that we don't look at ROI, especially not right now. I mean, the you know we are in a green as far as what we the things we've bought, but it's not about the return on investment, especially since we are playing to be a long term kind of deal. the The main thing I wanted to stress, especially with new members and, and the members of the group, is is the habit, the habit of consistently putting your money into something that will grow over time. Just put it into a savings account. You're not getting, you're not even getting 1% back of your money. You know, with this, you're getting, you can average out, what is it? Seven, 8% with, you know, stock market. If you just didn't follow the S and P 500. So it's the habit of consistently every month putting money away and, and pretty much just paying yourself first. Yeah. Um, that that's that's the biggest thing that I, I like to preach to people because a lot of people <laughs> and, and and that video that you uh, had with with that on um, Grant Cardone that guy said he had a, he bought a Gucci belt for a thousand dollars that pissed me off I thought he was trolling <laughs> you can't say that the people say they don't have money but then when, when you, you literally bought something you probably can't return right now and and get the same money back yeah. That same thousand dollars can can go a long way, especially in real estate. And you tell me, I, I think people would say you didn't have a hundred dollars or something like that. Well, and especially if you if you work as a group, and that's one of the things. It's like the group is to get you to the point where you can do what you want on your own. And so it's like you have to bring people together. It's like if we have limited resources and you combine those limited resources, all of a sudden you don't have limited resources anymore. All of a sudden you can buy a football team instead of protesting the football team. You just own it. 
It's like that's a much more powerful move than asking somebody to be nice to you. Like I'm, I'm just it's not for. It. So, man, you made a point about the ROI. I got an email about the ROI last night. I didn't even respond because, like you said, it's not about that. So many people. What I find is they are trying to invest for the purpose of making money to spend it, and that's why it's tough for me to do that because it's counterintuitive. We're accumulating resources. And then once we have a large enough pool, we can make investments that make a large enough return. Then we can start pulling out money. See, I think ROI works better, maybe more so for real estate, but for stocks, you really shouldn't be worried too much about the return, especially early on. Um, You know, with, with our group, the majority of them do not, had not before they joined invested in anything, stock market, real estate, business, you know, they hadn't, you know, invested in anything. So it gave them a chance to join someone like me who has at least has some experience. I'm not saying I'm Warren Buffett, but I have experience <laughs> and can at least guide us in a, in the, in the right direction. And what something that was awesome was, you know, a few, a few weeks ago, one of the members was, was telling me that now he's now investing outside of the group. In, in addition with contributing to the group, he, yeah. he was able to become confident enough to open up a Robinhood account and, and purchase and, and test some of these theories that he's been learning through our group because we provide an educational training so, so that, you know, that you know, you know some of the terminologies, especially if you're brand new. And we have like, obviously, monthly meetings uh, that's recorded. We provide the meeting minutes, sorry, you know, for the ones that can't make the meeting they can definitely be updated to, to what's happening. Uh, I do upload all the recordings, so we do have a, a log of access. And, and in general, this is, this is a portfolio. This is showing that I can bring people together and create wealth. Um, like me personally, if I try to go to a private equity firm right now, they'll shut the door on me. If they look at my resume, they might just see, oh, he's just an engineer, even though I do have my uh, MBA now. But I don't know if it's just a young guy or whatnot, but I'm a proponent. Okay, they might not hire me. Let me find a way. Let me create the way. You know, a lot of people, they're looking for people to follow. So why can I, be, why can I not be that person that they follow? That, that's kind of my mentality with that. Dope, dope. It's so cool because it's like you get a chance to talk to the listeners and you're saying a lot of stuff that I believe in. And it's funny because that's what Robert Smith said. Robert Smith said he's, he created Vista because he was like, I know they're not going to hire me. And so it's like you can spend your whole life knocking or protesting or whining and trying to get legislation passed. Or you can just put all that effort into building your own. And like you said, it does create a portfolio because literally like I'm having a conversation with the guy about the business loan. And I'm like, well, I represent a group. I work with this many people. So like it's, it's part me, but it's also part the people that I have backing me. So it, it opens up doors that otherwise will be closed. They just find a way to disqualify you, start kicking down your own doors. And I don't know if you noticed this, I mentioned this on the corporate Coke and smack show, but I think, and it's, it's awesome because I had this, I had this huge debate with a bunch of people and everybody kept saying that like, if you voted for Donald Trump, that means you hate women or you hate immigrants or you hate whatever. It's like, no, that's not really the case. I think that, Hopefully in like two years, people are going to say that I knew what I was talking about because like for me, it was always about business. It was always about entrepreneurship. It was always about ownership. And we got Donald Trump as a president and I've opened about 50 LLCs because people want to start their business. They want to create their business. They want to frequent their business. And like, that's what we've seen. We don't see too much social justice going on anymore. So my question to you is, why do you feel the conversation has shifted from social justice to economic justice? And the reason why I believe it is like two days ago, they were talking about the passing of Martin Luther King Jr. Everybody was passing around that quote talking about, oh yeah, this is the MLK that didn't show us. Two years ago, they were talking about that stuff. And it's the same speech. It's just a different section of the speech. And so it's like, now they're like, oh yeah, we got to get economic justice. We need real estate. Why now and why not before? I would say with social justice, I, I personally don't believe in, in protesting. I, I do believe there that it plays a part, but I do not believe it should play a significant part or a very, very big part. Uh, money, uh, America is a capitalistic society. So money talks, literally. 
you have to have money to get power. And the only way you're going to do that is to invest wisely. Invest as a group. We have to team up together. You know, so many people, they protest and they, they want this inclusion. And why are you trying to be included in something that you can build up yourself, literally by yourself? You know, they, they want the government to, to help them out with all this stuff. The government has shown time after time that they do not care <laughs> about you in that, in that kind of aspect, but you continue to rely on them through things like welfare. And it's like, welfare is meant to keep you broke. It's not meant for you to, to become successful or, you know, you know, some people you, you maybe can use it to get it off your feet, but, but the majority of the people they're there to stay. They're they're abusing that thing. They're they're popping out kids just to have more paychecks. So I just think that now this shift is changing. I, I'm I'm glad for that. Me personally, I don't I don't know why it, it changed like that. I, I don't get too political. I, I'm of the belief it doesn't matter who's in charge. That's not going to affect what I do. One one quote I do like. That's one of my favorite. Was from George Orwell uh, from from Animal Farm, and pretty much what he said was. All, I don't say men, but all men were created equal, but some are more equal than others. And pretty much what that's saying is, in theory, I mean, in, just in general, life isn't fair. There's no equality. There's, someone's going to have to win. There's this, this, this survival of the fittest. So you do what you can to get on top of the food chain. We, we you know, too, we, we've been at the bottom for too long and, and it shouldn't be that way. And all that stems back to your mindset. Because because of poor education and you're surrounded by this poor mindset of people thinking that everything is is meant to to step down or suppress them, sure, that might be the case. But once again, this mindset, if you can have that something that clicks and tells you that, okay, I can still change, I can still control my destiny. It might be harder, but I can still get it done. I mean, the, the thing is true where it says when there's a will, there's a way. You will find a way. Hopefully it's legal, but you will find a way. This is Ken Morris, the CEO and founder of Multibex, the private equity investment firm, and the creator of the brand Lord of My Land, the alpha gentleman entrepreneur. And I am a proud supporter of Tide Capital. You can find me on Instagram at Lord of My Land and at the Lord Ken. This is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire host of the Millionaire Podcast, and I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that now has over 200 members, Todd Acquisitions, which is our crowdfunded real estate firm, and Todd Ventures, our crowdfunded venture capital firm. I'm formally inviting you to join one of our many investment clubs. If you are someone who is new to investing, a seasoned investor, or someone who doesn't even know what investing is, we know that you will learn the key to investing and how to build generational wealth through the use of crowdfunding by working with our team. Email info at capitaltod.com to join today. Anybody listen to this show, it's definitely got to be legal. But um, no, I think that that is really important because that's one of the things I said today on Twitter is a lot of what Gary V says reminds me a lot about the think of not only other immigrants, but a lot of immigrants that are of the diaspora. I guess that's how you spell say it. Because, I mean, if you look at, I don't know who I was talking to. Oh, I was looking at that uh, that African-American-owned uh, farm in Napa. It was actually owned by some Jamaican immigrants. Like, one was from Jamaica, one was from, like, Haiti or something. And I was listening to another podcast, and um, there's this girl who she owns, like, two or three successful businesses in Philadelphia. And I think her mom is a Haitian immigrant and her mom owns like a ton of real estate in Philadelphia is doing crazy stuff in Philly. And so what I found out is that that mindset of being able to see the good in America and pushing through all the nonsense and knowing that it is possible to win in America. It's like, it's the, all it is is the mindset. I talk to my mom about this all the time. Like if you have somebody who's the same skin color as you, but they're winning, they exist in the same country that has the same barriers. The only thing is how they perceive those barriers. That's what makes it different. It's like Gary Vee was saying, like, you can either see technology as the reason why you're losing or you can see technology as the reason why you can win. It's the same technology. It's how do you see that coin? And so many of us choose to see the reason why we're losing and it's the same coin and somebody else can take the same coin and win with it. So I think that was cool that you said that because I'm very big on mindset and I think that that is probably the key. Yeah, I mean, mindset is, it is the key. 
my mindset is completely different than a lot of people that I am currently around. And it sucks, like it feels like at times you are leaving them behind, but it gets to a point where you can leave the horse of water, but you can't make it drink. Like I can tell you what to do, but if you're gonna continue to make excuses about why you can't do this, why you can't do that, I'm not gonna stick around for that. I'm gonna continue to, to, to try to win and, and, and do what I can to make sure my, my kids are good in the future as well. It's like I say that there's people who have an excuse for every opportunity. Unfortunately, those are the people that are out here saying there are no opportunities. You're like, well, here's an opportunity. Like, well, ain't nobody got money. Like, it's you got hard. Gucci. You got Gucci belts. How <laughs> you not have money? You got Gucci belts. Like, and that's one of the reasons why I shared that because it's not just like real estate. It's and it's not just him trying to wholesale deals to make money for himself. It's like if you drive through Detroit and you drive through any ghetto for that matter, and you have all these like impoverished areas people say well we don't have any money like you have money it doesn't have to be invested it's like you you have the money because if you feel that like i feel that we've kind of seen a shift towards economic justice how do people go about achieving economic justice it goes back to getting rid of that victim mindset obviously it's, it's going to be hard it's, t- it's t- definitely tough especially if that's all you knew all your life all you're going to see is is problems you're not going to be able to see solutions that you can turn you can make from those problems um so that's why i'm a proponent of trying to talk to kids a lot and let them know that you know they can do it doesn't be whatever they wanted to do but they don't have to like they can break through a lot of these barriers they don't have to say oh i hit this wall let me stop break through that wall keep punching until you get through that wall so um Definitely like speaking to kids about that because there's a, there's a lot of things and, and for it to work, the kids have to, the kids have to understand that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is, especially black people, we need to start owning businesses in our neighborhoods. And so kind of to what you mentioned before, it could be as simple as I was driving around third ward uh, yesterday. And, you know, that's kind of like the hoodish area here in Houston. And it's being gentrified a bit, but I was thinking, I was like, well, what if someone made a Black-owned construction company and what they did was hire on men that obviously that have been messed up by the system, whether it's from, you know, selling drugs, whatever it is, but they're out now, but they need a job. And, you know, you know the white man's not going to give them the job. Hire these guys, train them up. You're giving them a trade. And literally, these homes that are out there, rebuild them one home at a time. You start doing that, first of all, property value is going up. People are, you know, proud of where they're from. On top of that, you have a company that now has a portfolio saying, here, this is what I've done. We just revitalized this whole neighborhood. We can now start competing with all these other bigger contractors and things like that. It's just putting... Whenever you you know we start building a lot of these black businesses, we just got to start shopping with them, mm-hmm. start funneling our money. Like you said, we have the money. If we start spending it with these black businesses, they start doing well. Once they start doing well, guess what? They have to distribute their money back into the community because you know tax benefits and things of that nature. But that helps because but they can do that once they start you know getting the support of of the community. So. I think it could be it could be a win-win situation. It's just we just need to do it. I mean, every major city you go to in the United States is a Chinatown. Every single major city. Yep. Why is that? They are funneling their money within themselves. They're making sure that they are set. We need we just need to do the same. Period. And I think that that's the reason why I share the stories of like Jews and Asians and Nigerians and other people who have come to America and won. It's not for the purpose of like saying like, oh, well, they won. Why can't you get it together? It's like saying this is how we won. Follow the model, period. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to guess. All you got to do is say, oh, so I got to go to school and get a degree that matters. Cool. I'm going to do what I got to do to get a degree that matters. Um, You're absolutely right. And one of the cool things that you were saying about like having somebody build up those communities is then it's like if you have the owner or the investor who owns those properties, who's paid to revitalize those properties. One of my goals is kind of what we're doing is to become the bank. So we own all these properties. And so we'll say, okay, we're going to sell it to you and sell financing for 30 years. And so then you become the bank. 
And so then you create that source of the economy. So now you have people who are funding and helping people buy homes. It's all black owned. You have a black owned construction company, you have black homeowners. And they also, and then the crazy part about it is that's what everybody else does. Yeah. Like they have their own banks. How do you think their banks got the money? They kept it within themselves. So it's, it's really difficult because I think that a lot of times people, they, they argue about the wrong things. That's the, that's the first thing. And then, they don't really see that everybody can eat. A lot of times we think that like, it's just one person winning. And I think that's what Dr. Claude said. He's like, we've been convinced that it's, it has to be LeBron James. It can't be the Golden State Warriors. And so I'm trying to create the Golden State Warriors. And that's why I've done it with Todd Capital and um, all the things you're doing. It's like, it's impossible for us to win unless we all win. Like, it, it, I, mean, I mean, we can do it and I could do it, but I'd rather us all win together. Absolutely. On a large scale, it's impossible for us to all win on a large scale, on a scale that matters. I can't buy multiple NBA teams if I if I do it for myself. I gotta exactly. Gotta. <laughs> and the crazy part about it is that how, that's how they do it. I was talking about that in the show before. It's like the Dodgers are owned by like six dudes, the Marlins are owned by like six dudes. How do you feel that your education has allowed you to do what you're doing now? I'm gonna say <laughs> it wasn't that. I mean, it was more so me just getting that diploma and showing that I could do something, and especially that something that not a lot of people can do. They feel that it, like it's hard. Um, so in that aspect, that was very helpful. But for me, it was self-education. And like I mentioned before, Professor Google, Dr. YouTube, consistently day after day, instead of going, you know, coming home and, and watching TV, I mean, I cut cable. I, I had a TV in my room I never turned on in years. I don't know if, it's, if it still works. <laughs> and, and it's just sitting here and consistently trying to find how can I get better? How can I improve myself better today, this week, this month? You know, I make these goals and they're lofty at times, but I know even if I miss it, I'm going to get close. Or even if I don't get close, I'm making a lot of, I'm learning a lot. You know, nothing's a fail. It's all about experience, and uh, and that's and that's kind of why you know most recently I, I kind of dived a little bit into the e-commerce world where you know a lot of things are going online now, and and one of the things I'm trying to learn is uh, is, is the marketing, the the advertising, you know, through Facebook and things like that. Because I, I believe once you once you get that down, it's it's pretty much easy to almost to sell anything else. Um, I've created a couple of stores that I think look look awesome, but then you know you you run some ads for it and, and you realize you're you're running the ads to the wrong to the wrong group. So yeah, it, it feels like an L at the time, but now I've learned. I know not to make that mistake again. So yeah. it's all about all about knowledge. Yeah, I think one of the, the cool things about your story, you've said this a few times, is you you've taken action, and through taking action, you learned what you're supposed to do. So it's like. You create this website that I look at, I'm like, dang, that's a dope website. But like, it didn't start like that. I'm not sure what your old websites look like, but this one now looks awesome. And same thing with the ads. Pretty soon, you're going to be so targeted, so honed in, that you're going to be getting hit rates or whatever, however they quantify that, in numbers that you never would have gotten if you wouldn't have just started. And so many people, they want to wait until it's perfect. They want to wait until they get that perfect website or they get that perfect strategy down and they'll never get there ever. They'll be sitting there at 50 talking about what they can't do or what's too hard. So I think that's really cool. It's like you're willing to put yourself out there, take that risk and try it out and see if it works or it doesn't work. Yeah, I'm all about act. I mean, and it, is, it kills me because a lot of people aren't. Like we can, I, can, I can meet up with someone and they might have a pretty good idea. And I'm like, all right, let's reconvene tomorrow. Let's, let's, let's put this into action. And then all of a sudden, here it goes to excuses. If I think it's good, like I'm ready to go right now. That's why I'm doing stuff like this. Hopefully more people will reach out to me and uh, we can definitely grow together and, and, and make this make this thing big. What are some tips that you would give to somebody who wants to get to where you are now? Uh, I'll start. Let me start young. So if you're in a high school, uh, take classes that um, they allow you to get college credit. That's something I wish I would have knew. Um, earlier on, I didn't know until like my last semester of senior year. So I got only like one class in, but take as many classes as you can to get college credit. And then during the summertime, take as many community college courses as you can 
to knock out those, you know, those core courses that you really don't need, but they make you take. Definitely do those things, especially if you don't have scholarships or grants or you have to take out loans. At least that will help you, you know, limit your costs a little bit there. Uh, another thing I would say is just whatever it is, shoot your shot. Uh, ask, ask the questions. You need, I mean, until you, until you hear no, it's a go. <laughs> like, you know, just you, if you're looking for a mentor, ask. I mean, I've, I've reached out to many of people to try to get mentorships and I've been shut down multiple, multiple times. But you just kind of keep, keep doing it until you find yes or find a way. Oh, that, that reminds me. If you're in college, as soon as possible, get an internship. Do not graduate college without an internship or else your life will be hell. Uh, trust me, out of college. You need to, as soon as possible, uh, and then gonna, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and they're like, oh man, you know, I, uh, I've i been applying, but I've been getting rejected. Unless you can show me your inbox full of 100 plus rejection letters, you're not doing enough. You will find a job, you will find it, you need that internship before you graduate. And mm-hmm. even if it's one, get one before you graduate. That's, that's, that's a major key that yeah. people need to know especially if your college doesn't require it. Uh, another is, you can buy my book, <laughs> The 10 Reasons Why You're Living Senseless. Uh, I, I, I could give away a signed copy to, you know, one of your followers. Maybe they can either follow me on Twitter, Money Madu, and uh, write why you should win this book. But pretty much it gives you actionable tips. It tells you the 10 areas where most people are spending their money and how you can do better to spend wisely. I mean, one of the stuff is, like you mentioned before, it's the house hacking. Maybe you can't afford this luxury house yet, but if you team up with a few people for a few years, limit those costs until you're ready to go out on your own, until you're ready to buy income-producing assets. So, uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, Money Madu, and uh, tell me why you want this book, and I can send you a signed copy. And the other people you'd like to support, it's $5 on my Living Senseless website. Um, or you can buy it off of Amazon as well. Nice. I got my copy. It's a, it's a quick read. It's very good. Very good content. Who is somebody that you look up to and why? Non-celebrity. It would be my dad. Uh, even though he's you know, very, very, very harsh. He was very, very, very frugal. I mean, even to this day, he doesn't have a cell phone. He drives beat up cars, even though he could afford all the nice things. Um, but he would just refuses. And then that's kind of where I get part of my frugal side from. And then my other side, I, I do like the nice things from my mom. But uh, it, it works. It's a nice balance. But in my aspect, I won't I won't spend the rest of my life being frugal. It'll, it'll, it's, it's for it's until a certain point. And then once I make you know enough money with these income producing assets, then I can live lavishly you know yeah. with the wife and children as well celebrity wise i would say people like robert smith or uh one is bill perkins uh, i took a lot and it's you know obviously people that look like me so uh with bill perkins he's actually a, a hedge fund manager um from new jersey he lived down in, in houston for a bit and uh people would know him from he he's hung out with people like ben Bazarian. And, and things like that and he has like a hot girlfriend and you know, all this stuff but he's like super smart guys you know super rich he has his own private equity fund he learned literally a guy that turned that used to work at enron and just turned you know nothing into, into millions put his head down for for many years and now now he's doing very very well for himself lives pretty much out on a yacht uh plays poker does all these other 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 stuff so I, I definitely look up uh, to, to him as well. That's a good list, man. That's a good list. So the last question is, what does wealth mean to you? Wealth is freedom, for sure. Um, I mean, there's days I I walk to work or walk in toward, toward my office, and it's a beautiful day outside. And I think to myself, why am I walking into this office? I need to get to the point where if it's a beautiful day outside, I need to be outside. Mm-hmm. Even if it's working off my laptop, whatever it is, I need to be at a point where money does not matter. And the only way to do that is income producing assets. And so with wealth, once money doesn't become a concern, you have hit the lottery. Literally, you can do literally whatever you want. 
And then, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, money is uh, money is the root of all evil and blah, blah, blah. You obviously, the people that say that are broke. <laughs> they do not have the money. They have not seen how that, how it works. I see I see these people that, you know, they get all these millions and they, they lose it. And then I was like, man, if I'm... I'm obviously on a different mindset. But I was like, if I had that millions, man, what I would have done with all of that money. But I know my time's coming, and uh, I've just continued to, to push forward until it comes. But yeah, for me, wealth means freedom. Actually, that wasn't the last question. The last question is, what is your favorite book? I would say the one that always comes back is The Millionaire Next Door. That that's the one that truly changed my mindset. Uh, whenever. I read, well, so I'll tell you this. I don't read, so let me even back up even more. Growing up, my house was full of books. My dad bought books, like Goodwill. Every time he went to Goodwill, he came back with four or five books. My mom hated it, but I mean, I was reading from very, 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 very young age. I mean, if you looked at our house, our playing room was full of books. Our garage was full of books. Um, and so from that aspect, I was always reading. We didn't have cable growing up, so I didn't watch TV. I read books. And so when I got to college, I actually kind of stopped. I kind of stopped reading. But I recently got back to the point where instead of reading, because I feel like I'm so busy, I listen to audiobooks because my commute is long enough. And so audiobooks have definitely allowed me to, to, to get my knowledge in that aspect through these commutes. And, and listening to The Millionaire Next Door, I was in the process of I wanted to be flashy. I wanted to buy a new car. I think it was the Jeep Grand Cherokee. And I was like, I listened to that book and I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't buy that. I need to buy something that's going to make me money because that, that Cherokee, will I could crash the next day and I'm done. Uh, Grand Cardone's Be Obsessed or Be Average, 10 times better than 10X Rule, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if it's because it's the audiobook itself, he reads it himself, but that, to me, he spits so many gems on that. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't know about that, man. I don't know about yeah. that. The 10X rule is there. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty much everything in the Rich Dad series. Not, not just Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, literally. There, there, he has a series of like of books and things and audiobooks. I've It took me four to five months, and I've recently just got done with it, and I'm pretty much going to obviously just recycle through it again. You want to learn anything about real estate, you listen to everything in that series. Everything. Yeah that series you just smoke that thing up my mindset changed so many times with 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 new philosophies that that can work it's not like whatever was old doesn't work it's just this is a better way that will fit with me personally so are you talking about like the books in the advisor series too because yes. he has he has a lot of books out there he has some books out there um like what to do before you quit your job yep. like a whole bunch of other books that I, I haven't read those yet i've read of course cash flow quadrant rich dad's guide to investing rich dad poor dad um, yeah, I mean, a lot of these books aren't even by like it's it's his people. It's uh, the yeah. Jared Schaefer and then and, and, um, Ken, whatever his name. But it's, yeah, it's a lot of people in this advisor group that, that put yeah. these. It's a lot of gems. It's a, yeah. and with me, it's audiobooks all the time. So I'm, I just listen to the thing twenty four seven, and it's it's awesome. Got to check that out, man. It's not too often that I get challenged to go read some more, but I'm gonna go, I have to go. And I have like most of those on my iPad. I just gotta gotta get to them. So I guess that wraps up the interview. Like. To leave off, I would want you to share all the different ways people can find out about you and all the things you have going on and don't leave anything out. You can find me on Twitter, at Money Madu. Instagram, same thing, at Money Madu. Um, I have my personal website, and it's pretty much kind of like my resume. That's uh, my first name, last name, Ogechukumadu, O-G-E-C-H-U-K-W-M-A-D-U.com. I do have you know, the, the Black Sea website, so if you wanted to join my group, uh, it's, it's called theblackseagroup.com, uh, just like that. And then you can check out our bylaws. You can check out kind of how we operate. And and any per person who joins has like a, you know, 15-minute conversation with me. And I kind of explain what, what we expect of our members. And um, that's how you, you're able to join a group. You can also see our, our real estate side. If, if you have experience in that, I'm definitely open to have, to have you join join with me. Or you can join with Charles as well. Yeah, those are the main places uh, right now. I mean, I have a lot of websites and, and things like that. For, but if you want to reach me, the main places, at least with Twitter and Instagram, is uh, at Money Madu. And I'm, I'm, I'm very transparent. Uh, ask me anything. 
just don't come to me with uh, like victim mindset stuff. <laughs> I, I, I probably won't respond to that. But anything else, like I feel like in general, I spill a lot of gems, but I don't have the following for it. And uh, uh, maybe one day I'll, I'll be consistent to the point where, you know, I, I feel like, you know, to have a big following, the, the thing you need to do is be polarizing. In general, I'm not polarizing. I, I, I stick mm. to what I say, but mm. at least for you, especially with the Trump, <laughs> that's definitely going to help you with the followers. So, I mean, in my aspect, I, I have nothing like that, but I do spit a lot of gems as well. Yeah, those are the two main platforms you can catch me at. I would say I'm polarizing in a lot of ways, not just the Trump stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Pr- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think that that helps you with you know. There's so many people because like even with me, like I'm not you know a big Trump supporter. So a lot of the things you say, I'm like, yeah, I don't really agree with them. But you spit mm-hmm. enough wealth knowledge to where I'm like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm still gonna stick around and, and listen. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny i need to work on being more polarizing on my show so i can get my listens up yeah that's the goal um this is episode number 61 if you have a desire to join any of our investment clubs tie capital investment club for stocks tie capital investment club for real estate i highly recommend that you get involved now because like i said we have too much to handle and it's always better to get on the ground floor like they tell you at those mlm meetings like you want to get on the ground floor so <laughs> get in. Um, this is this is a very a fun show. I had fun. You can that's reach that's me that. at Charles at CapitalTot.com, info at CapitalTot.com. If you have a desire to organize your hustle, contact me for that as well. We are still doing LOCs for the low price of $249 until they aren't $249 anymore. My name is Charles Oglesby, number 61, signing off. Thank you. <laughs>